Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 21st, 2019. Isn't it the first day of summer? But, you know, for me in the state of North Dakota, we're still experiencing spring. So happy summer, everyone. Wow, there has been a lot going on from... The mainstream media putting out foreign policy directives to President Trump having to try to explain the situation in Iran without really explaining the situation in Iran. We're understanding now that Bolton really has to go. I mean, we all know all his actions with previous administrations and how those have developed. So we'll get into that. We'll also get into an actual declaration of war by Turkey against Greece. They actually made a statement today that on Sunday they will be holding live ammunition, military exercises in Greece's waters. Could you imagine if China decided one day to just bring their boats into our territory and start shooting off missiles and guns? All the while, they have their surveyors for oil by our shores too. It's pretty incredible what is developing there. Uh, Russia's response to Iran, we'll discuss that. We'll also discuss this reparations insanity talk that has been going around. And um, I'll play for you a clip that was pretty astounding. And I, I actually enjoyed it. In addition, discussing who really was behind all of this in Iran and how if we go back in time to statements made by the former, um, he's a, he used to be a general, uh, he's a retired general of the United States Army. Uh, he was in position of um, the United States European Command, the United States Southern Command, and then the Supreme Allied um, you know, um, Powers of Europe. And what he had to say in regards to what has been going on in the Middle East. And he said this a while back, which was extremely interesting uh, to listen to. Uh, so I thought I'd play that clip for you today and 
kind of put everything in perspective. Then something weird is coming out. Um, I noticed it a couple of weeks ago where the mainstream media and the Democrats have started talking about UFOs and aliens. And I think it was in November that I said the only way that they can gain some kind of ground is if the UN and NATO actually self-destruct like they're doing right now. The only thing that would save this global order is by having, you know, aliens come down on Earth and, you know, mandate that people band together against them. Now, this could be a real thing or something simulated. The technology we have is pretty great. So I just want to diddle a little bit with that later on in the show. So I think I should start off with the reparations, which are crazy, uh, completely insane, actually, uh, that they were discussing for people to actually pay reparations. I mean, my family had nothing to do with slaves. Actually, the descendants... Mm, no, I could say, and something people don't know, did you know that Greeks were labeled as colored, even though, you know, we really aren't? They were called rats because they worked really, really hard and, you know, were trying to make a fortune, kind of like um, the black Americans in the late 1800s and early 1900s. They were extremely wealthy. They were self-made millionaires. The same thing goes for the Greeks. And the Greeks, their children had to attend colored schools and eat at colored restaurants because they were indeed hard workers just like them. And it wasn't until the 80s that Greeks didn't tick the black box when they were asked, you know, what race or ethnicity they are. I mean, a lot of people in the 80s didn't take it anyway because they were like, well, I just thought it went by skin color. But in essence, black incorporated other cultures that a lot of people don't know that. That's, that's actual history. So let's listen to a clip that, you know, even though a little bit discombobulated in speech, Burgess Owens made it, his five minutes were so good, you need to listen to this. Hurricane Blow, Mr. Owens, you're recognized for five minutes. Thank you so much for, for this opportunity. Um, I'm going to take a different tack from the beginning. Uh, we are at this point, this is not about black and white, uh, rich or poor, blue collar, white collar. We're fighting for the heart and soul of our nation. We have a very, very special country that started with the Judeo-Christian values that allowed every single generation to become better than the last and that has not ended, that has not stopped until now. We're telling our kids a little bit something different, that they don't have the opportunities that we had. I'm going to talk about some ideologies. And when I talk about them, when I talk about people, people change. I used to be a Democrat until I did my history and found out the, 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 the misery that that party brought to my race. So when I talk about these ideologies, ideologies don't change, people do. We are fighting for the heart and soul of our nation against socialism, Marxism, and the evil that it has brought to us in the stealing of our history. 
Karl Marx said it best. The uh, author, the father of socialism, an atheist, anti-Semite, and a blatant racist. Yet we teach his philosophy in our school systems today. He said it. The first battleground is rewriting of, of our history. You steal our history. You steal our pride in our past, our appreciation for our present, and our vision for our future. And every single urban city in our country is now experiencing that loss. Real quick history, because these are things we're not taught. I'm blessed to be the great-great-grandfather of Silas Burgess. Came here in the belly of a slave ship. Sold in Charleston, South Carolina with his mother to the Burgess Plantation. An evil, evil man that drove my, my great-great-great-grandmother either to leaving her family or kids or uh, committing suicide. I don't know. She disappeared. But South at eight of age, eight, age of eight, was blessed to be surrounded by men who believed in freedom. Even though they were shackled, they escaped. They went the southern route of the Underground Railroad, facilitated by white and Mexican-Americans. And he's made his way out south to Texas. He ended up being a successful entrepreneur, owned 102 acres of land, paid off in two years. Started the first black church, the first black elementary school. Pillar of his community, 18 kids, Christian, Republican. His first son was Alpha Omega. Proud American. An example of what happens when any race, any culture is given hope, opportunity, and freedom. It didn't end there, by the way. The history of our black country, of our black Americans, has been stolen from us for decades, almost over a century. Booker T. Washington, 1882, began Tuskegee University. By 1905, it was producing more self-made black millionaires than Harvard, Yale, and Princeton combined. The 40s, 50s, and 60s, it was a black, country, a black community that led our country in the growth of the middle class. Led our country in terms of the men committed to marriage, over 70%, now it's 30%. Led our country in terms of the committed to business ownership, 40%, now it's 3.8%. Men matriculated from college. We now have more, a higher percentage of men in, 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 incarcerated in college. It is, by the way, my degree was biology. And that, I learned a long time ago that slavery is not a gene in the DNA helix. It's our actions, it's our attitude, it's our belief. I do not believe in reparation, because what reparation does, it points to a certain race, a certain color, and it, and it points them as evil, and points the other race, my race, as one that is not only becomes racist, but, the, the, but also beggars. I do believe in restitution. Let's point to the party that was, that was part of slavery, KKK, Jim Crow, that has killed over 40% of our black babies, 20 million of them. State of California, 70, 75% of our black boys cannot pass standard reading and writing tests, a democratic state. So yes, let's pay rest, 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 restoration. Let's pay rest, restitution. How about a democratic party pay for all the misery brought to my race? And uh, those, after, after we learn our history, decide to uh, stay there, they, they should pay also, they're complicit. And every white American, Republican or Democrat, that feels guilty because of your white skin, you should need to pony up also. That way we can get past this reparation and recognize that this country has given us greatness. Look at this panel. It doesn't matter how we think. The fact is, well, it doesn't matter our color. 
We have become successful in this country like no other because of this great opportunity to live the American dream. Let's not steal that from our kids by telling them they can't do it. Thank you. Here, here, right, guys? He said it best. I mean, at the end of the day, these reparations are trying to demonize one group of people with one type of skin color and then making the others look like beggars. He's right. It's 2019. And if we want to hold someone accountable, it's the Democratic Party. That's fact. And if you actually look at the clip, I think Caleb Hull had tweeted that whole clip out from C-SPAN on Twitter. You can see the snowflakes behind him being very uncomfortable. But, you know, they're the ones feeling guilty because, um, you know, they're white. And so he's black. And so they can't really refute what he says. But one of them that had, you know, the crazy hairstyle with the just the front part of her hair kind of dyed a different color did a double take when he said it was the Democratic Party that did all this. Maybe some of them are understanding what's really going on here. And you know what? If you're a white, Hispanic, Native, Asian, whatever you are, and you feel guilty, go ahead. (laughs) Pay them. (laughs) Because I don't feel guilty because I didn't do anything. And history, with with its successes and the atrocities, that have been committed are the scars that we bear as a nation so that way we learn and go forward. And for some reason, for the past three years, the Democrats want us to go in reverse. They do not want us to forget. And not only that, they want us to feel guilty for things. So there was a Supreme Court judgment uh, put out which was pretty great. The specific one was about taking down a cross. I don't know if you guys saw that, but this, you know, kind of falls into line. The Bladensburg cross was put up uh, to commemorate, you know, it's like this big cross and it was there to commemorate uh, soldiers that have um, died in the war. And for some reason, people were petitioning to take it down because it was a cross. And it triggered them or made them feel bad. The Supreme Court voted seven to two. It was a, you know, it's a 40 foot peace cross. And, you know, mothers of, uh, you know, the soldiers um, that fell in Blandensburg put it up. And it was done over a century ago, right? And this is in commemoration of soldiers that fell in World War I. The only people, right, the only people who said, no, it should be taken down was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, and, Soto, and, and Sotomayor, Sonia Sotomayor. And uh, I, I was um, kind of excited to see what um, Dr. Green, he's a representative of Tennessee, he said, The American tradition was and is formed by the tradition of faith. Same thing that we heard Burgess just say. It was founded on Judeo-Christian values. It would be a grave error to write that out of our history, he says. 
The culture of political correctness goes too far when it launches attack on memorials to soldiers who laid down their life in service to their country and to God. And the Supreme Court actually made the right decision. Justice Alito actually made a remark and said uh, the Blandensburg Cross has become a prominent community landmark and its removal or radical alteration at this date would be seen by many not as a neutral act, but as the manifestation of a hostility toward religion that has no place in our establishment cause a clause traditions. Guys, they are attacking every single piece of history. And why do they do this? And I mentioned it before, just with simple things like Hillary Clinton writing the book, What Happened? Or, you know, Comey, who's going to jail, you know, for his illicit actions, for his um, attempt to usurp our government, everything he's done. He wrote a book calling higher loyalty to who, dude? To who? Because your job was to serve the people. But that's not what you're taught when you join certain agencies. Your loyalty is to that specific agency. And we've talked about it before. So writing books, writing articles, or putting nonsense on websites, and actually federal websites, right? Because we see it. Makes it automatically true and histories to be eradicated. This morning, I had a conversation with someone who was a specialist. My, what kind of specialist? You're like five compared to me in age. Talking about the intelligence community and telling me, you know, or trying to educate me, which was fun, about, you know, how the CIA is part of the intelligence community. And we've all been through this. And most of my listeners and everyone who's actually served in the military in any intelligence capacity or the Pentagon, or any intelligence community element facet, even the CIA, know that the CIA is completely independent. It's only faux show that they call it the intelligence community. It is completely independent. The real intelligence community serves the people of the United States. And that rolls us into the next topic of what is going on in Iran. So, like I said, over a period of one week, I've been talking about how, you know, there are institutions that have been set in different governments where we enter and put in place. We saw this with North Korea, Kim Jong-un, how he was under control of, um, you know, the certain assets, right? And one of them was actually his brother who was, ergo then, you know, assassinated, who lived, uh, you know, in Macau. And Macau, I've told you guys, it's totally an awesome place, but it's like a party place. That's where you go to gamble, go to great spas, get rubbed up and down. Uh, It's actually pretty awesome too. And it's not as congested as, you know, Hong Kong. And you go with the little ferry boat and it's totally, oh, I have to go back. I totally miss it. It's really nice actually. And it's not because I'm influenced because I'm infatuated with telenovelas uh, from Taiwan and China that I've been binging on lately. But it is actually a nice place. But that is where he lived. And now it came to fruition only, you know, a couple weeks ago that it became public that Kim Jong-un's brother was actually a CIA asset. See, people don't seem to understand that things happen for a reason. So before we get into Iran, 
I want to just recap. Remember when we were talking about will the real James Comey please stand up? I, that's how I labeled that show on air a couple weeks ago when I did it, right? And what I told you all was the story of James Comey, where he began and how he served under two years as a U.S. attorney and suddenly became acting attorney general for the United States at a time where Bush, 43, was reluctant to accept his intelligence community's, uh, um, I would say, suggestions slash outcome slash directives. You know, he was like, oh, I don't see any weapons of mass destruction. Um, yellow cake uranium is not going from Niger to Iraq. But then we have Wesley Clark, who is a retired general and was the secretary of the armed forces at some point, wasn't he, or something like that. Um, listen to what he has to say. He says it himself, conversation with Bush. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz, I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense's office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, <laughs> I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago, and I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show it to you. I can't believe people were laughing. Because if you pay attention, that's exactly what they did, though they had a lot of trouble with the Republicans. And this is why the agenda was slowed down. And today it broke and we'll discuss it. That way we can roll into the whole Iran conversation and just see that our past proves the future. And people are so ignorant to do their homework. And you know what? In this age of information, ignorance is definitely a choice. And those that come at you telling you you don't know, feel sorry for them. You know, usually most of them have a swelled head because they think they know something, you know, but they don't. Because if you actually follow, what, what have I always said? Follow the money, look at the budgets, look where the money is going to and look how it happened. Because it just broke out um, from Judicial Watch that Obama knew about Benghazi 10 days before it happened. 
They sacrificed those men. I am so glad I had gotten pregnant. I'm just telling you that. Because who knows? They sacrificed them. They sacrificed them and it was unacceptable. And you know, the whole, oh, it was a video. Oh, this was, what difference does it make? We went in there, we came, we saw, we killed. Ha, no, this was all a plan. And remember, Comey came in to do what? Reign in Bush because Bush was like, well, I don't know. And he spoke like an idiot as, you know, Wesley Clark you know, mention that is the way leaders speak because they don't know. They're just like, yo, they're saying it. And this is exactly what happened with Trump on Iran. He already knew he didn't want to. This is why Bolton needs to go because Bolton's history is exactly that. Do you know what he's done down in Central America? I guess a lot of you don't because if you did, your hashtag would be Bolton has to go. Pompeo wasn't the one approving the Iran war. He was like, I'll just go with whichever way, you know, which indeed signals I don't think it's right. And, you know, you could see videos of Pelosi and Schumer cheering that they were supporting the attack on Iran because that means the end of his presidency because he started a war. This is what they want. But who's pulling the strings? And this is what we're going to unfold today because everything is coming to the surface. Like I said, the kickoff for his campaign for 2020 was not really for the campaign. He told you, he told you during that rally, what did he say? I said I was going to drain the swamp and we're draining it. And that is the day that he pulled that plug and the swamp is draining Slowly but surely. I'll see you all in a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855-700-2978 855-700-2978 that's 855-700-2978 guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. And, you know, I was so excited to get started that I didn't even say you can always find me here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time on Red State Talk Radio, bringing you real news and a perspective that is not politically correct. And I'm totally fine with that. Now, um, I just tweeted out a video on Twitter. If you're if you're on Twitter, I'm at at Tor underscore says that's T-O-R-E underscore S-A-Y-S, where it shows um, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi rejoicing in the fact that they got President Trump right where they wanted him during the briefing to attack Iran. But, you know, apparently, oh, he has to go through Congress before he does any shooting, but they were already in place. Hmm. Listen to what they tell you and listen to what is really being done. So they come out saying he wanted war, but he has to come through us. Then how were they ready? And the president said, no, we're not doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? They don't seem to understand just how many of us are out there. Like the great General Flynn said, this is a revolution. It is a revolution of digital soldiers and citizen journalists that are taking control. There are so many people that claim to be conservative and don't see that themselves. So let's play a quick clip of how President Trump answered the question on Iran yesterday. So I wanted to say, though, that during his meeting uh, with Trudeau, I was watching him carefully and I saw that He, you know, Trudeau was very, very uncomfortable. Obviously, we know Mexico has already signed the agreement. And you can see President Trump's response to questions in regards to their meeting. If you pay attention to Trudeau's limp-wristed posture and um, the way he is sitting, 
Someone, a, a liberal, of course, had tweeted at some point, and I liked it anyway. Someone put thought bubbles, uh, you know, going by, uh, you know, Trudeau's head as President Trump spews rubbish. The truth is, those those bubbles are like, damn, I underestimated him. Damn, he's smarter than us. And the thing is, these statements were made before the attack was supposed to happen, right? Uh, and this is right after Congress was celebrating that they had agreed to attack Iran. So take a listen here. After the election, it would win with a tremendous support. But we have an election coming up. Uh, but I, I think Nancy Pelosi is going to do the right thing. And will that be the end of tariffs on Canada and Mexico? Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see. To do what they have to do. We understand that. Uh, we can't have uh, big, uh, tremendous shipments of certain products, and we understand that very we well. Were, we were very pleased with the lifting of the tariffs yeah. on steel and aluminum. They've been lifted, as you know, and uh, there won't be, hopefully, trans-shipping. If there's trans-shipping, I'll call Justin, and I'm sure he'll take care of it. And if he doesn't, take, he'll probably call him a second time, and if he doesn't, then we'll have to talk, right? So, did you guys notice, I just wanted to say, this interaction, he's like, you know, if there's no, you know, massive amounts and quantities going like this, then yeah, we lift the tariffs. And he came in to say, well, actually, you lifted the tariffs on steel and aluminum. Yeah, we did, because you've already agreed that you're going to minimize the amount. And this is why President Trump said, yeah, if there's no trans shipping, etc., then yeah, if I see something like that, I'm going to call him and he's going to fix it. So he wanted immediately to get on top of our president and say, uh-uh, you lifted the tariffs. Tariffs aren't happening on those things, but they're still happening on milk and others. So Trudeau's in a very uncomfortable position, but he felt the need to try to underhand, you know, slap our president with like, uh-uh, you took off. But the president said, I took it off because you said this. And if I see it, I'm going to call you and you're going to fix it, right? But I think, that, uh, I think that that situation is very well taken care of. Uh, very important for both countries and for all three countries, the farmers. Very, very important. More so in that case from us and Canada. But the farmers are really happy with it. The uh, manufacturers are very happy. Uh, Mexico is thrilled. You saw the vote. It was a very lopsided and a positive way vote, a great vote. And I think it's going to be something very special. Again, it's the largest trade deal by far ever entered into. And we're very close to having finalized. It means a lot of jobs for our country, a lot of wealth for all three countries. And we're really competing against the world. You know, we're not competing with each other so much. This brings us into a position where we're not competing with each other. We're competing against the world. And that's what we're doing. We're competing against big sections of the world, including Asia, and including other areas. And I think it's going to be very special. I think it's going to end up being other areas is deal, Europe. the biggest ever made. Well, we, we thought about that. That's an interesting question. Uh, they played phenomenal basketball. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, they were really terrific. Congratulations, by the way. That was a great job by a great team. So we'll think about that. If they'd like to do it, we'll think about that. We have a lot of other folks coming. Uh, and the Presidential Medal, I just spoke to him, uh, we're going to be presenting the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Roger Penske. Roger Penske is a great gentleman who has won 18 Indianapolis 500s. He's won uh, just one Daytona, 
He won at Daytona. He won Indianapolis. He won probably more than anybody in the history of racing. I can't imagine anybody even being close. I just wanted to say, just to bring a little bit of spunk here, right? If you read my article about Barack Hussein Obama in uh, the south of France, meeting with foreign prime ministers of, uh, with the prime ministers of Italy and some Iranian uh, envoy that went there. If you notice, I mentioned that one of the houses that one of them is allegedly staying in is by a Formula One driver, you know, that has run in many races. He's world renowned. I just thought I'd point that out. But Roger Penske is going to be getting the Medal of Freedom, and uh, he's very thrilled to be getting it. And that'll be announced over the next little while. But I guess uh, actually I'm announcing it pretty much now. But they'll be <laughs> they'll be putting something out. They'll be putting something out in a little while. He's very deserving. He's a great gentleman. I've known him a long time, and uh, a very brilliant guy. When you think of all the countries that want to win Indianapolis and Daytona, and they fight and they spend, even Canada, they spend a lot of money and they. Uh, and, you know, when a man wins Indianapolis, when he wins it 18 times, and he just won the Daytona, and uh, he won uh, many things over the course of years, and he's become a very successful man. Uh, we talked about electric cars today. I think nobody knows more about that subject in terms of common sense than Roger Penske. So Roger Penske will be getting and receiving the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Mr. President, you said Iran is a different Oh, absolutely. When I came here, Iran was in 14 to 18 different sites of confliction. Uh, they were extremely hostile. They were hostile when they signed the deal. They were screaming death to America. And I think probably Iran made a mistake. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not — there was no man in it. There was no — it was just — it was over international waters, clearly over international waters. But we didn't have a man or woman in the drone. We had nobody in the drone. Are you still open to it? would have made a big difference, let me tell you. would have made a big, big difference. But uh, I have a feeling I may be wrong, and I may be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling that it was a mistake made by somebody that shouldn't have been doing what they did. Okay, let me replay that just a little bit. Let me just go back to it where they asked him about Iran. So he obviously did not want to answer the question. He was under stress. Let me rewind that. Successful man. Uh, we talked about electric cars today. I think nobody knows okay. more about that subject in terms of common sense. So let sense me break this down because so he's Roger saying what Pesky I've been be saying. Receiving the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. Mr. President, you said Iran is a different country. Oh, absolutely. When I came here, Iran was in 14 to 18 different sites of confliction. Uh, they were extremely hostile. They were hostile when they signed the deal. They were screaming death to America. And I think probably Iran. Okay, let me just pause it right there. So they said, you said Iran is different from when you entered the presidency. He said the same exact thing about North Korea. And we see that with North Korea, that was the easiest one to fix. Why? Because he has great relations with Japan and China. And again, I'm just going to mention this. We're not hearing anything about South Korea. 
they're really silent. There's silence from South Korea. So he had the ability to fix the North Korean issue very quickly because he noticed that the European Union would not comply to liberate Iran, but he liberated North Korea. And he stated, look, once I came in, Iran was doing all these things. We signed this horrific Iran deal. We paid them $150 billion and sent them $1.8 billion on an airplane. And you know, unfortunately, my personal, not professional Twitter account was banned, but I was actually tweeting with Rouhani. And I was tweeting with him when that plane of money was going before anybody knew that plane of money was going. Probably why, you know, someone made sure my Twitter, my personal Twitter account was closed. But I did. I tweeted with him and I was like, why don't you tell everyone about, and I had a White House, a plane going up, money, plane up, money, plane down, money there. Tell them what it's for. That's all I sent, like emojis. Tell him. And it was actually liked by him. (laughs) So I even said it. I'm telling you guys, President Trump knows exactly what's up. I've already told you. Kind of just like in North Korea where they had people in place to keep Kim Jong-un in place. He stated who was a terrorist organization? The IRGC. Now listen to his answer. Made a mistake. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not, there was no man in it. There was no, it was just, it was over international waters, clearly over international waters. But we didn't have a man or woman in the drone. We had nobody in the drone. Are you still open? Would have made a big difference, let me tell you. Would have made a big, big difference. But uh, I have a feeling, I may be wrong, and I may be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling that it was a mistake made by somebody that shouldn't have been doing what they did. I think they made a mistake. And I'm not just talking to the country made a mistake. I think that somebody under the command of that country made a big mistake. Are you still talking to Iran's leadership? Let's just see what happens. You just let's see what happens. It's all going to work out. Say it. I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe it was intentional. If you want to know the truth, I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. We'll be able to report back, and you'll understand exactly what happened. But it was. Are you paying attention? He said it wasn't leadership. It was someone else, a general or something, or someone that was loose and stupid. You know what's going on in Iran right now? I'll tell you what's going on around in Iran right now. They're trying to figure out, without being figured out, who these moles are, who these assets are, and they're going to trace it back to 1978. They're going to trace it back. Diane Feinstein, that's your key point. You need to see the people that she met with who is connected to them with the IRGC. This is what we need to be paying attention to. What the president is telling you, what the leadership in Iran said, what did they say? What did they say? Because people have forgotten to listen and have the ability to listen. It has been so muffled with garbage and rubbish and narratives. 
New York Times jumped on it. Yep, President Trump is going to strike and he wanted a strike and blah, blah, blah. And look at us, all of us going against him. Whereas Congress had already approved it because Bolton said so. Bolton needs to go. I want to see that general slotted in faster than I can blink. Let's do this. Let's do this. This is how we fix things. By letting them think they got us in a corner. Just because it worked with Bush. Just because it worked with other presidents. It's not going to work with President Trump. Because he's got experience in having his back up against the wall. He's the guy facing bankruptcy. Calling all these deep pockets to purchase one building. And he sold them on something else. And made not only himself not be in the red, but a fortune that quadrupled his net worth. This man knows how to work when his back is up against the wall. And even though he is not surrounded by people that share his vision of the United States, his vision of reinforcing the foundations, the Judeo-Christian values of our nation, he does And he will do it until the day he dies. He will keep that. And so like he said to the press, you're going to see how this all works out. You're going to see what's really going on. Remember how they were trying to say, oh my gosh, he's talking about big buttons and he's talking about this and he's talking about that. Horrible. But they didn't win this time. Look at them pressing. He's very uncomfortable. If you watch the video, it's on the White House feed. It was a very foolish move, that I can tell you. Do you feel like there are members of your administration who are trying to push you into conflict? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, in many cases, it's the opposite. But I will say, look, I said I want to get out of these endless wars. I campaigned on that. I want to get out. We've been in Afghanistan for 19 years. As you know, we've reduced very substantially in Afghanistan. Uh, We beat the caliphate. We took back 100 percent of the caliphate. When it was 99 percent, Justin, I said, We're going to get out. We're going to start peeling back. And everybody went crazy because it was 99. So I said, all right, so we'll finish it up. So we got 100 percent. And we're pulling that back out of Syria. We're pulling a lot of people back. Uh, But this is something, this is a new wrinkle. This is a new fly in the ointment, what happened shooting down the drone. And uh, this country will not stand for it. That I can tell you. Thank you very much. Okay, so I just wanted to tell you, if you actually watch back the video, when they asked him if he thinks someone in his leadership um, is pushing him toward war, he, he completely lied. His body language said something different, and that's fine, and that's how you keep the peace. Because it's hard, um, you know, for a president to sit there and say, there's a rift. You know, it makes you look weak, and I get it. But keep in mind his tweets this this morning were incredible because now not only did he prove to them that hey uh i'm not for war and i pulled out like it made him look like president trump the most awesome president ever no need for deaths i mean you can't get the snowflakes to refute that kenya you can't and here is his tweet that was incredible he said President Obama, it's a thread. He said, President Obama made a desperate and terrible deal with Iran, gave them $150 billion plus 1.8. And again, I'm going to say this, and I want you to pay attention when he talks to us. BDI and BDC. Just pay attention.
pay attention to that. BDI, BDC. For all of you puzzle fanatics like myself that love to crack codes, BDI, BDC. And if you pay attention to that uh, tweet, you'll see where BDI, BDC is. And then NW soon. That's all I have to tell you. So reading on, he said, plus I point eight billion dollars in cash. Iran was in big trouble and he bailed them out. Gave them a free path to N, nuclear weapons, W, and soon. Instead of saying thank you, Iran yelled, death to America. I terminated the deal, which was not even ratified by Congress, and imposed strong sanctions. They are a much weakened nation today than that at the beginning of my presidency when they were causing major problems throughout the Middle East. Now they are bust. On Monday, they shot down an unmanned drone flying in international waters. We cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites. And then I asked, how many will die? 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it. Not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone. I am in no hurry. Our military is rebuilt, new, and ready to go. By far the best in the world. Sanctions are biting and more added last night. Iran can never have nuclear weapons. Not against the USA and not against the world. Now, we all have to remember that uh, President Trump just made himself the most applauded, I would say, in policy president. This is not the way we do things. And as you heard from Wesley Clark, there were many nations, Syria is incomplete, and we're not letting that happen. Oh, reminding you of Syria at the last hour, I will tell you guys how some uh, people that were released by Assad, one of their descendants, who was actually killed because he was an ISIS soldier, uh, was actually the guy shooting up in Pittsburgh. I'll get into that in the, the last hour. So as we can see, the president has taken this push by Congress who approved the cocked and loaded because like they said, he can't do anything without our say. And we saw them all celebrating and dancing when they approved it. But he pulled out and said, no, I'm the president. I say no. Made a lot of people sad. Very, very sad. But that is how smart people work. They'll let you think you're winning. And then is game time. Now take a listen to what Kevin McCarthy has to say on President Trump's long-term game plan on Iran. The Fox News alert, President Trump giving Iran an ultimatum, calling off strikes against the regime in exchange for negotiating on talks. Our next guest, that's according to one report, our next guest was in the Situation Room with the President, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, not only that, you're personal friends with the President. You're supposed to keep everything inside that stays inside. I get it. But what could you tell our viewers about what took place or didn't take place last night? 
You know, I think this was a very good meeting because it was different than the past. The president brought both sides in, showed them the information, and able to ask any question you have. The president has an amazing team around him from Joint Chiefs. And also, remember, Mike Pompeo is the Secretary of State, but also remember, Mike Pompeo graduated from West Point. He graduated number one in his class. The president was very clear of what he wants to achieve with Iran, to never allow them to have a nuclear weapon. This agreement that everybody talks about that Obama agreed to guarantees them a right. nuclear weapon in a few short years. So what the president is doing, and the president said from one standpoint that this cannot stand to be shooting down an American airplane. And he was very clear that there will be action, but what the president is trying to do is to achieve something. And remember what right. the president has done. He, he's rebuilt our military. He's struck in, in Syria. He's been very strong against uh, Russia with the um, sanctions and others. So he has a long-term game plan here. And it doesn't mean that you have to act within the few hours. What the president is trying to do is achieve something very large. Understood. understood. Chuck Schumer also in that room. He said the president may not intend to go to war, but we're worried he and the administration may bumble into a war. Did it sound like the administration was bumbling in the situation room? Not at all. I mean, from the standpoint, just look publicly what you have seen. Iran goes and, and, and bombs tankers. It was the American intel that actually showed that happening to the, to the rest of the world. They know this intelligence community, everything that's transpiring, and they have done a very good job all the way through here. I think the instance of what I saw yesterday, they are well prepared, they are composed of what they're going to do, it's going to be measured, but it's all right. within the basis of getting the ultimate goal that Iran can never achieve a nuclear weapon. And, and Congressman, if we were did have planes in the air and ships in place and we did have an attack going, would you have been informed of it? And I'm referring to the New York Times story. Uh, no, normally I get a phone call maybe right before, right after, and um, I think what you're seeing with this president, he has a goal to achieve, and I, I will not judge him on the basis of something short like this, because think about what he's been able to achieve. He was sitting with President Xi of China when he turned over and said the missiles were flying in Syria. He understands what he's doing, and I would not second-guess him. He's got a long-term mm. plan what is different. He's just not re overreacting. Yeah. It's going to be measured, and right. it's going to achieve a goal. He also knows. Just a note before the break. Did you hear Chuck Schumer? Both sides were there and listened to it and made a decision that there's going to be a what? A reciprocal to the to, to what happened action. How much you want to make a bet? Pelosi and Schumer leaked that to the New York Times. How much do you want to make a bet? That's why they were celebrating because they were cocked and loaded. But he pulled and said no. So this is why they were celebrating. Ha <laughs> He just killed his presidency. He's going to war. And it's like, psych, not going to happen. That's exactly what happened yesterday. And now we know who the leakers are. Because like McCarthy said, he wouldn't know until right before or right after. So how did the New York Times know? Uh, too bad for them, huh? I'll see you all in just a bit right after this short break.
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So usually in the last hour, I break down things quite deeply, quite accurately to my perspective, my knowledge, my sources, and what I know. Now, we've all seen that alternative media is being fought on every possible avenue they can. I mean, this week I was a victim of it where I was laying some really hard facts down, you know, talking about how and what the plan that they had was. It was so eerie and creepy because, you know, a lot of things are connected to one socket and yet only my computer shut down completely. Uh, kicking me offline completely, and that's why I uploaded the, the final thought of it online. So today I thought I would start by demonstrating a few things and reminding you that right now the FBI, using the excuse of a, an attack on a synagogue, using an excuse of someone they planted and activated to do things, and it's not the FBI, we all know, it's that agency hmm. that isn't really intelligence. It's just a central agency. That is why it was set up in the 40s. Now, they're probing and pushing us out into the twilight. I've told you guys many times, you know, I sit on the fringes of the internet and chat with a bunch of Mensa nerds around the world where we analyze and predict with the knowledge that we have, the resources we have available. I can say that, you know, so far, it's been on point. One might actually think we actually time travel because <laughs> we're so accurate. But we've been telling you this for years, you know, the way things are going to change and why they're changing. And they've realized it now. And, you know, I have a lot of people who ask, well, Q hasn't posted in a while. Well, there's a warrant. And things are, you know, people that have saved things on boards or removing them because you know how you can just stash things online. And we're all being pushed to that area that they cannot master. I want to play a quick two clips for you guys which are actually quite dear to my heart, and I talked about it in the first hour. And we have an army, okay, as, a, as a soldier and as a, as, a, uh, as a general, as a retired general, we have an army of digital soldiers. What we are now, what, what we call, I call them, because this was an insurgency, folks. This was run like an insurgency. This was irregular warfare at its finest in politics. 
and that, that story will, will continue to be told here, but we have what we call citizen journalists. Okay? Because, the, because the, the journalists that we have in our media did a disservice to themselves, actually more than they did to this country. They did a disservice to themselves because they displayed an arrogance that is unprecedented. And so the American people decided to take over the idea of information. They took over the idea of information, and they did it through social media. And now social media is being attacked. And now forums are being attacked. And now everything is being attacked. But it's okay. Like the general said, remember... We already won the war electing President Trump. He already gave us back the power. The point is, what's going to happen now? And why is it happening? Here's the point. The world is currently experiencing a dramatic covert war of biblical proportions. Literally the fight for Earth between the forces of good and evil. I can't put it in simpler terms, but I can say it appears that good guys are winning. The Cabal had complete control over North Korea. They hijacked the Kim Dynasty, took them hostage, and worked to build up a nuclear arsenal to threaten the world. Kim Jong-un suddenly embracing peace was simply because the deep state were beaten and driven out. ISIS was also destroyed in the year following Trump's win. We are all starting to see the pattern now that enough time has passed, that our biggest global concerns are starting to recede, and peace is returning. It is all evidence that the good guys are winning the war. But we are still in the middle. While a lot is improving, it still puzzles many that most of these known criminals are still free, especially the higher-ups like Hillary Clinton, the Bushes, and Obama. That is coming in the next chapter of the story. That's why we have Q. The good guys with control over the NSA began the Q intelligence dissemination program to invoke an online grassroots movement that came to be called the Great Awakening. It started on underground internet channels and then moved to the mainstream. Q has been a fun distraction for those who follow world events and desire truth, but it is about to begin a much more important and necessary phase, keeping the public informed when the deep state war breaks out onto the surface. By this, I mean high-profile arrests. Yes, folks, the criminals I'm referring to are famous politicians, actors, singers, CEOs, and celebrities. People who have earned our trust, respect, and admiration. They have done very bad things that are all fully known and documented, and they will be severely punished. Those of us who have followed Q since the beginning will be here to help you make sense of the coming events. We are among the first to realize that our petty partisan divisions are just trivial distractions, and we are all enslaved by a hidden enemy. We realized that the problem was never capitalism or socialism, Democrat or Republican, black or white, Muslim or Christian. We know it was just very powerful criminals who had too much power. Fellow slaves, it's time to buckle your seatbelt, recognize your true enemy, and embrace a new future that we all owe to the brave patriots who risk their lives to achieve this victory against the greatest force of evil the world has ever known. I played that clip because it pretty much summarizes the movement that we are seeing, the deep state coming to the surface. You can't ignore it anymore. And, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of people say, cue this, LARP, cue this. Really? 
Where is it? Because now that they have taken the place where anonymity, which is the right to privacy, liberty and privacy are key. Okay. You have the right to be anonymous. You have the right to not let people know your business. That is your innate God given right. So they have decided to take it out. And there are so many out there coming to the forefront with their names and their faces. Many of them have already met fates. Many of them are being challenged. Many of them are being taken apart piece by piece, yet they're still fighting. Just because they're not in uniform per se doesn't mean they're not fighting. Those people in Syria right now helping control the situation are not in uniform. Those people that are sitting day and night countering information, searching for information, those people that are filing FOIA requests left and right to bring the poop to the surface. Because my grandpa once told me, and I know it's embarrassing as a kid, when I stayed, you know, for hours in the ocean, he was like, what are you doing? You know, you're with your friends, but if you have to go to the bathroom, don't do it. Because no matter how deep in the water you go, because (laughs) he was like, don't like pee or poop in the water for not coming out. Because poop always floats. That's the key. For me, it was like him trying to infer that I would do something like that, which was horrific. I was just like, what? But thinking back, I'm like, hey, um, I could use that another, another way. Whatever poop you spew, you better know that that stuff floats at some point. That's the way it goes. No body remains buried in the ocean. At some point, it comes to the surface, piece by piece sometimes. And this is exactly what we're seeing. And President Trump told us at his rally, here's where it's coming down. Here is where I said I'm draining the swamp and I'm doing it. Did you guys notice? Probably not. Because not everybody trolls these things like I do. But um, I was um, following some filings on a case. uh, A sealed case. And, um, it was very interesting because documents were just unsealed and it relates to the Mueller investigation and they were just unsealed from the magistrate court, uh, where chief judge Howell is, um, you know, on top of it, the names are redacted, but we all know who they are. And it was just done this month unsealed. And in there you will see that even though the Mueller investigation is long gone and finished, for some reason, the Southern District of New York seeks to keep on going, saying, well, uh, you know, uh, we might have more information. We don't think that they've provided enough information We think we need to keep going and looking and we'll just submit more paperwork to tell you why we think that person, even though Mueller found nothing, we think there's still something. Even though Mueller had a warrant and had nothing, we still think there's something. And all the records that were unsealed were done so on June 7th. And this grand jury subpoena, these dockets being filed to redact docket sheets, to redact, redact, redact. And even uh, a notice uh, for another subpoena to um, a warrant for a Gmail account were issued, started in January of 2019, and they were redacted but unsealed on the 7th of June. And remember, who works at the Southern District of New York? 
Comey's daughter. Think about it. The special counsel with $40 million, an army of attorneys and investigators, the ability to to poke a hole where holes shouldn't be, didn't find anything, but the Southern District of New York insists. Insists. So you just have to be looking out to see. There is complete panic. Complete panic. This is global. It's not just here. And again, South Korea has been very silent. I want you guys to keep that in the back of your mind. South Korea has been very, very silent on everything. So when you're thinking of, oh, this is being said. Oh, that is being said. Oh, stop and think what is not being said. Stop and think. What kind of reaction is this? Stop and think. Oh, before I get into what's really going on in the Middle East slash Eastern Mediterranean, there was actually a declaration of like war. And I'll get into that. And I'm surprised mainstream media is not talking about it because this is super huge. I wanted to say that yesterday I thought to myself, you know, in 2015, two days after President Trump came down that escalator and announced, I went on like an online site that no longer, um, well, they're no longer allowed to take bets. It was William Hill, you know, through England. I literally just bet a dollar. I feel so dumb. I bet a dollar and won over two grand, right? Betting that he was going to be president. Imagine if it was a hundred. I would have won over $200,000. I would have been able to private jet myself to the inauguration. So dumb. So this time, I totally remembered, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, let me make some money. I remember I said in November that Yang is going to be the candidate for the DNC. He is going to be the nominee. Well, I put my money where my mouth is, and I did so. So yesterday, I bet 100 bucks that Yang is going to be the Democratic um, uh, you know, party's nominee candidate for the presidential run for 2020. But while I was looking at that, I just wanted to tell you guys what was super funny. And you could go, there's like a site called My Bookie. It's on there. Guys, they had Michael Avenatti having stronger, like, so the higher the number, the least likely, obviously, be, the, the, the more payout you get, right? So Yang had a payout of like 1,600 times over the amount you put. So I put like $100, and what I'm going to win is like 16, it, it says plus 1,600, so I'm assuming what it's like 160 times over. I don't know, whatever. It just told me that uh, my potential win is $1,600 with a $100 bet, which sucks because if I would have done it earlier, I would have made more money because the odds chain all the time. But here's the funny thing. Um, Kristen Gillibrand has a payout of plus 8,000, which means there's like no way, uh, you know, the bookies say that she's going to win. But Michael Avenatti has a plus 3,500. So according to bookies in Vegas, Michael Avenatti has better chances of being the DNC choice than Hillary Clinton, than Michelle Obama, than Oprah Winfrey, than, you know, Kristen Gillibrand. And he is like right there with Cory Booker. It's like insane. Okay. So now if you were to go and bet on President Trump, you'd actually lose money. So if you were to bet like a hundred bucks that President Trump is going to be the Republican nominee, you'll win like $16. 
And if you bet that he's going to be the president of the United States, you're going to win like $66. So you're losing money on your bet because that's how sure the people with the money tell you it's going to be. And I could tell you that when I was following the site, you know, for Hillary Clinton, her odds were horrible. No one was, you know, if you bet on Hillary Clinton, she was going to win, period, right? They had, actually, they had some good payout odds. And Well, not really. It's like if you were betting, I remember when I was placing my bets um, for President Trump, they had, if you put your money, if you put like a dollar on Hillary Clinton, I was going to win like a dollar fifty. And if I put a dollar on Bernie Sanders, I was going to win like a dollar twenty. So they were neck and neck. But as the uh, elections were going, the bookies were saying that it was more, um, you know, they were giving better odds that President Trump was going to win than Hillary Clinton, even though the polls were saying something completely different. So I've always stressed this, that people need to follow the money. Someone who wants to make money will not put tons of money on a losing horse. So if you pay attention to the odds that bookies are giving, they're actually betting on Kamala Harris and Joe Biden a lot. And I don't see how Kamala Harris is going to come through this because, yo, Jesse Smollett case is being opened up again. It was announced today is going to be a hot mess. We're going to find out why the Obamas are so interested. And Kamala Harris, unfortunately, is going to be implicated within this. So is Michael Avenatti. This is going to be hysterical to watch. I mean, the news broke as I was telling you guys we're going to be talking about it. But Jesse Smollett isn't over yet. Mm, This is going to be so much fun to watch. So we can ignore Kamala Harris for now. She's done. Now that Jesse Smollett has special prosecutors looking at this stuff, they're done. The Obamas, um, you know, Tina Chen, Kamala Harris, Avenatti, more things on Avenatti. Yet the bookies still have money on him for some reason. I don't know why. So just so you know, um, the bets close July 15th. Uh, So that's the last day someone can place a bet. Um, and it's, and it's a lot of fun, you know, to put your money where your mouth is. Usually I don't bet more than a dollar and I learned my lesson from, you know, president Trump winning. Cause I really wish I put the hundred dollars on him then. Uh, so on that, I just wanted to say, follow the money. Always. It never steers you wrong. Look at budgets, look at balance sheets, look at everything. Yesterday, a person I follow, Joe M, who's a huge Q analyst, and I played his video, part part of his video today, um, retweeted a video that was sent to him showing the Red Cross with tons of cash. Now, months ago, I had talked about USAID, right? I told you guys how for over 10 years, their budget is off by a few million. And even when the budget balances, it's still questionable because as the auditor kept saying, it's like they're only dealing in a lot of cash and buying and selling properties, if you remember, and how they were kicked out of Russia, uh, you know, during the Olympics. I, I, I talked about that. And I told you that Secretary Pompeo has a lot of problems in his house. This is why he's waiting with wellies. Okay, tons of leaks, tons of issues. And I know he's trying to fix it. But you know, sometimes you just got to observe to find the source. It's kind of like, um, I remember years ago, I was, um, uh, you know, at the hospital in Kentucky working and it was late night and 
the laboratory, you know, where uh, we would, you know, send tests, you know, blood work and urine analysis and picking up blood for patients or whatever, was complaining that they had ants at one side of the wall. And so right outside of where they would be, people would hang out and have cigarettes. So one evening, you know, I was on call. So I was just standing out there smoking cigarettes, having coffee, trying to stay awake. Because if you like sleep in those on-call rooms that they had for students, they were horrible. It was like sleeping on gravel. So um, I saw the ants come out to the sidewalk. So instead of stepping on them, I followed them and I saw where they were going and why they were coming back. So in essence, I told the janitor, here's where the problem is. And it was that there was water um, in that area that was leaking behind the wall. So I guess they were just going to get water and taking it back to wherever they were going. And that's why they had that problem. My point is when you see that you have a leak or a problem, right? Sometimes squishing, you know, one person that's part of the problem or pointing it out is not the right thing to do. What you have to do is sit back and follow all of it. Sit back and act retarded and like you can't see anything and then just even smile about it and even facilitate it. Because it's through that interaction that you discovered methods. Remember, I told you, any clandestine individual is okay to be made. If you're, a, you know, 007 or a spy and you get caught, that's fine. You're just like going to be desked after that. You're finished. But if they recognize your methods, like who your handler is, who you talk to, how you get paid, how you facilitate communications, what methods of communication you use to relay information you get, that's your method. That's the problem. So all of this going on, even though I'm talking about it now publicly, I mean, we've already done this. So, you know, I see that a lot of people in Atlanta, Georgia from specific IPs have been downloading my programs like crazy. And we all know what's in Atlanta, Georgia. So, hey, and for some reason, I've <laughs> discovered a huge fan base in Oman and Yemen. But even though you're listening to it now and you already know that we know it's too late because when president Trump says it, it's done already. It's finished. There's nothing to do about it. It's already been done. So all we need to do is listen to what the president says. Just pay attention. And there you can get your direction. And when you see the media ramping up on stupid things or obfuscating things, like, you know, in the Nexium case, Jesus, they sat there and they said, oh, he was found guilty on all these counts. But they didn't once mention that there was child sex trafficking, even though the dockets, and I have it in an article that I haven't published yet, showed child sex trafficking explicitly stated. And another thing they didn't state is how this investigation came to fruition. Now, aside from the fact that there were a lot of people in Albany, New York, complaining that it was cultish or whatever, Vanity Fair and other magazines, even the New York Times, had done some really good puff pieces on Nixium, right? Because, you know, the Bronfmans, tons of money. But here's the deal. What happened was right after President Trump's inauguration, Somewhere in the Midwest, and I won't name the city because this is still not unsealed, uh, people were arrested for procuring children destined to be put on a plane at an airport. 
And that plane was destined to go to the Caribbean. This is January, guys. January of 2017. Procuring children. And that low level gave up the higher level. And they found the link to Allison Mack. And that is how it all started. But they never got the manifest of where in the Caribbean that plane was going. They had no idea. But Allison Mack led them to that. And guess who went to the Caribbean? Totally connected to Nexium. Aside from the fact that Nexium was funding the DNC, Hillary Clinton, and Obama for America, it was Barack Hussein Obama who traveled to the Caribbean with Richard Branson, who had a big party there in his private island called Necker, right? And here's the deal. In 2018, when it came out that snuff films and children and sex slaves were being hustled down there, do you know what he said? Oh, I don't know the guy. Never met him. Don't know anything about this cult group. But they were on your island. Yeah, never met them, but there's tons of pictures with you with them. Not only that, you endorsed Keith Renier. How is that possible? Here's a screenshot of where you endorsed him and said what a great guy he was in 2007. This is how you know they panicked. They will flat out lie to cover themselves. These people are sick. And you think what's happening in Iran is anything? Man, the only reason we got done with North Korea is because of the relations that our president already had with the East. Iran's a little bit tougher because it's got a European hold. Remember, the cabal isn't just the United States. (laughs) It's other countries of the world. And he said it. He said it. Oh, yeah, you know, we're trading and we're going to be competing just us, you know, with other countries like Asia and other countries, other countries like the European Union, like the crown, which Canada abides to. I'll see you all in just a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn, Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it? the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978, 855-700-2978, that's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So let's get into the nitty gritty of just how this cabal is distracting everyone from fact, distracting the world is being distracted from what's really going on in the Mediterranean. And you know how you know that the distraction is happening? Because they did it to us before with Benghazi. They did it to us before. They threw, uh, you know, uh, sand in our eyes so they can obfuscate what was really going on there. I want to, um, Mike Cernovich during the break retweeted a clip, uh, and I, guys, I love Mike, even though I don't agree with everything he says, I absolutely adore the man, uh, because he is himself a hundred percent. I mean, we can agree to disagree, uh, but, um, I totally love him. I just want to play a short clip of what Tom Fitton uncovered in regards to arms going to Syria through Benghazi. And they were warned of the rise of ISIS, etc. They already knew before what happened in Benghazi, what was going to happen in Benghazi. Um, so I want you guys to take a listen to this just quickly. Let's talk about war in the Middle East. All the king's horses and all the king's men are screaming about the idea that President Trump wants to send or bring home the 2,000 so troops or so troops in Syria that are currently based there. Now, of course, the first question I have is how many Americans knew there were troops in Syria before President Trump announced he was bringing them home? How many, how many Americans knew there were troops there? And even more importantly, how many Americans knew what their goal and their mission is? Kind of like and what Wesley Clark you, said. Not too many. Right. And I guarantee you, just as few commentators and politicians criticizing the president mm-hmm. for wanting to do what he's generally promised, is to pull back the U.S. from these endless wars that don't protect our national security by his lights. They didn't know what was going on there in Syria either. And I guarantee you, if, if Trump was trying to increase troops in Syria, they'd probably oppose him tries to pull them out, they're going to oppose him. How did they oppose him? Chemical warfare, right? Remember that? So 
just so you understand, what's going on in the Middle East is um, pretty much what Wesley Clark, you heard him say years ago from the year 2001, right? It was already planned and President Trump is not liking it at all and he is not going to let it happen. Not at all. So let me tell you what happened today, okay? Today, something crazy happened. The Prime Minister of Greece sent a very strict message to Turkey because Turkey actually came out and said that they are going to be using live ammunition, live missiles uh, to um, have military exercises being done in um, the area that I, that I stated to you guys yesterday, which is Castellarzo, which is an area of Greece. It's like, um, uh, let me see, like Diego Garcia off California. How's that? Hmm. So it's it's kind of like it's it's like just it's pretty incre- it's just incredible what they're doing so they actually notified through their own media even though they've been warned by the EU uh, for targeted targeted measures, right, for the challenges that they're doing. But keep in mind, the EU said, yeah, we're going to warn them, but, you know, you're on your own, Greece, if something happens. Erdogan doesn't even care that they warned him. He's like, I don't really care. He's um, sending to open up a new um, oil rig in Cyprus, and it's not even his territory. And he's like, what are you going to do to stop me? And then he also says that the Turkish, he, he made an announcement that the Turkish Navy binds Navtech with the marine area between Rhodes and Castellarzos for real live firing. So they're taking it and they're like, we're going to do a military exercise right here in Greece's water. And it's like, okay, if you, you know, if you want uh, an exercise in another country's territorial waters, right? Um, you have to have it done, uh, you know, with our permission because you can't announce that you're entering into someone else's, you know, borders and territory and say, we're just going to do this. And you know what's weird? The day that they're going to be doing that is the day that they have municipal elections in Istanbul. And, you know, the one of the biggest uh, rival of Erdogan is up, which is Imamoglu. So look at what's happening. Could you imagine if Mexico's like, yo, Mexico, right? Well, no, Mexico is not considered such a threat. I mean, okay, do we use China? But China's, let's use South Korea. How's that? Say South Korea is like, yo, we're going to be going into like um, California territory, U.S. waters, and we're going to do military exercises there, everybody. So get ready. We're shipping out our boats today. And the U.S. is like, wait, hold on a second. What would you say? Um, so that's our waters. That's not international waters where you could do whatever or your waters. And you're saying you're going to be using live ammo and missiles in our waters. Uh, I don't think so. And then, you know, what if South Korea is like, well, mm, so like, what are you going to do about it? That's exactly what's going on right now. So these elections are going on in Turkey on the 23rd, which is Sunday. So it's going to happen this Sunday. And um, they're actually doing a real world exercise um, uh, in international waters, but it's actually getting into the territory of Greece. And so... 
only the Greek Navy would be able to advise Navtex, right? Um, and issue an announcement that they will be doing it not the Turkish Navy. So guys, war is happening. Like they have literally declared war. It's like, you know, like if you remember how our Navy goes to Asia and we like play war games with like China or whatever and we just do exercises, right? Like, oh, what if we're going to war? Okay. Those are scheduled and every country gives permission, especially if you might enter into foreign waters. Turkey's like, we're going into foreign waters and we've given the directive. And Greece is like, um, our foreign waters, we didn't give the directive. And they're like, mm, nobody cares. So this is exactly what's going on. Not only have they already violated international law by starting to drill in Cyprus for oil in Cyprus's waters. And Cyprus is like, yo, UN, do something. Yo, NATO, do something. Yo, EU, do something. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, um, we need them for oil and gas right now because, you know, stuff's a bit tight right now. So just deal with it. We'll fix it later. That's what they said when they took over half the island of Cyprus. And they're still being occupied. So now they're going out to explore for a second drilling site in Cyprus's waters that meet up with Greece's waters. So they're not really like international. It's just those two countries. And they're going to be entering Greek territory saying, we're going to do military exercises right here. And it's like, what is going on? It is pure insanity. People do not know what to do on this. It's, it's as if, you know... Th- this is what's really going on and no one is doing anything about it. No one. And so the prime minister, which I've told you guys many times before, me and him used to drink a lot together when um, I was a teen. <clears throat> he was pretty much a commie, <laughs> sort of. Uh, but, you know, he was one of those Chavez t-shirt wearers. Okay, so I want you guys to know that he actually uh, spoke with the European Council. And the EU right now is at a really big turning point. Um, And he even said it uh, during the press conference when they concluded the summit. The European Council sent a clear, determined, and tough message to Turkey. And so it was very decisive, very strict, and, um, you know, he said that um, at this time in Brussels, uh, the summit was completed. But he also stressed that um, it unreserved, you know, without, without um, prejudice, it's um, condemning the Turkish actions in the Aegean and Eastern Mediterranean. And in particular, condemns the mining operations announced by Turkey um, with, within Cyprus just a few days ago. So it underlines a very serious impact that these actions have on Euro-Turkish relations directly. But what we need to understand is, is that the Greeks you know, won't have this. That's one thing they won't have because there is some really bad blood between the Turkish people and the Greek people because the country of Greece was actually slaves to Turkey for 400 years and they gained their liberty back in 1821. So it's not like it didn't happen. It happened like 
600 years ago, it's pretty still fresh, right? Of them kind of taking it back and, you know, having to rebuild their nation and churches that were built, burned down and women raped. There was like a complete genocide. The same thing that happened to Armenia happened to Greece, okay? Period. Pretty much. Um, So there's a lot of bad blood. And if they enter, you know, at that point, Greeks will only see red. For me, I'm like, all right, I'm okay with this happening because this will speed up Grexit because the European Union doesn't want to really get involved. Like they're like, hey, we're condemning this, but they're really not doing anything. And then NATO's like, well, you're both NATO allies, so you need to figure it out. And it's like, well, are you guys going to say something or what? I I mean, Cyprus already said, yo, UN, they're doing this. And they're like, yeah, we'll put it on our meeting minutes, you know, six months from now and we'll talk about it. It's like, but they're already drilling. Yeah, you know, we'll just put it on the minutes. Don't worry about it. But they're coming to drill again in a second site in our territory. Like, what do we do? Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. That is the stance that they're getting because they need Turkey. And I've said it before. They have the keys to the kingdom for them. They get the majority of their oil and gas from them. And in turn, Iran, because it's the only overground pipe out to Turkey. This is why when the tanker wars happened, most of the, uh, you know, Middle Eastern nations had issues with distributing oil, you know, because of the Hormuz Strait and, you know, the tankers being bombed, but not Iran because they already had that pipeline with Turkey. So it's really important for us to focus on what's really going on and what people aren't talking about, because this is important. I mean, it could be any nation and no one is talking about it. And that should ding, ding, ding. Lots of alarm bells right there. It should be right. A hundred percent should be. So further to that, I want you guys to look at what we've done because sometimes we say words, we put words. Remember I said, people say things, they publish things, even on our federal websites, our state websites, you know, they'll make statements that are completely false, but they'll put it out there so they could substantiate their positions or to discredit opposing statements. And, and books are used like that. Hillary Clinton wrote one. Comey wrote one. Peter Strzok is writing one. Peter Strzok is writing a book. No joke. So this is how they get idiots to run with their narratives. And not only just idiot leftists, but conservatives that think they know everything and they're just like, but the website says nobody cares. It's not the truth. Follow the money, follow the ledger, follow the action. So here, let's follow the actions. What has our nation done since April? It has shipped tons of weapons to Greece, Bulgaria, and Romania. I wrote an article about the shipment to Greece and where it was specifically sent, which is the area that they're going to have their military exercise. Romania, Bulgaria as well. And what did we do? Appoint a Kurdish American ambassador who is actually fluent in Greek and has a Greek name. Her name is Hero. Ido. And not only that, on Monday, from Minot Air Force Base, because there's only three bases that have bombers, right? B-52 bombers flew out to Europe and mapped how they would come down from Germany, down through Romania, Bulgaria, Greece, and, you know, circle in and do whatever in the Baltic and the Black Sea just to expand. And here's another thing. If you put all these together, 
all these actions together, what does it tell you? Greece isn't really standing alone. Because where NATO isn't coming forward, the U.S. is. The Fifth Fleet, the Lincoln, the extra troops going down there, what we've been doing in Suda Bay Crete, all of these things are speaking a different story. But Erdogan, for some reason, thinks he can get away with it. He's provoking um, you know, Greece only to get a response. And that's a trap, right? You would think it's a trap, but it could be a blessing too. Because while everyone is pushing the Iranian story, creating and facilitating situations that would beef it up, we now know we need to protect our troops and avoid them being able to do what they did with the drone the other day. We need to remain in a position where it's more prophylactic to actions as such because we know what's really going on. And you know how you know what's really going on and who has the big problem? It's the European Union. Because you would think, I mean, the UK, for example, right, is like totally on board with this Iran deal. They're totally supporting Iran. But here's something that a lot of people don't know. British Airways is now purposely avoiding airspace in Iran. And specifically, the Hormuz Strait. And this is them abiding by U.S. Air Force directives. Because one thing people have to realize is projectiles, mines, bombs, and everything don't really have to come from military aircraft, now do they? Because you remember when I said well, you know, if I was investigating these mines exploding, I would kind of look at the manifest and see what ships passed through the Hormuz Strait that could have crossed paths with these ships uh, within the past 48 hours. And that means commercial. So now we have commercial airlines, some of them, you know, putting together saying that, um, the FAA had um, provided to, um, to many nations in Europe directives to, you know, not um, to commercial flights to not fly over Iranian airspace and specifically that of the Hormuz Strait or the Gulf of Oman because of increased, you know, um, concerns in the area. So here's the thing. Um, ops Group, right, which... Um, you know, kind of uh, gives these directives, let's say, um, to commercial companies, told, you know, every other nation that has airlines, commercial airlines, the same thing. So now what we need to look at is to see which of these countries are taking that directive. Because it could be that maybe Germany's like, mm, I don't want to listen <clears throat> and not because they don't want to listen, but because they want to set something up. That's how you have to think about it. If you already know that stuff's not going well, why aren't you avoiding it? So if you're not avoiding it, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. It could be one of two things. You're that dumb or there's an ulterior motive. Are you getting it? So, so far, 
British Airways and all Greek Airlines and Saudi Airlines and Russian Airlines are all avoiding the area. So that's a pretty big deal. And so, um, you know, this is something people need to um, pay attention to. These are the slight actions that speak louder than written or spoken words sometimes. These are the actions that we should be uh, setting our gazes on because they tell you everything you need to know. They will tell you with their actions what is going on. Nothing else. Their actions. Kind of like um, what I had said um, before in regards to, um, what was it, um, the deep fake videos. Uh, if you remember, uh, a couple weeks ago I mentioned how you know Obama and the mainstream media are constantly pushing uh, commentary in regards to deep fake videos and it has to make you wonder I mean deep fake videos I mean weren't you the one that said you had videos about you know uh, you know President Trump with you know prostitutes peeing on things which turned out to be something that Harry Senator Harry Reid did and the minute I dropped his name two weeks later there he is in the news because we all know their MO we know where they come from that's the way it is. We all know where they come from. And, you know, for some reason, they consider the people of the United States stupid. They think we're dumb and that we can't see things. We can't foresee things. But remember, we're the news now, not them. What they tell us is either validating what we've already said or showing their omissions to validate what we already said. Um, so here is a little clip, and I want to just put the beginning of it, of what they're talking about deep fake, because they have been on the ball with this PBS, Obama videos. Why, why, why is what you need to ask yourself. Take a listen. There is growing alarm over the use of altered videos online, especially those known as deep fakes, which are highly realistic looking and inaccurate. There are concerns about their growing sophistication and the risk they pose to national security. It is the focus of a hearing tomorrow in the House Intelligence Committee. Miles O'Brien has a look at how those videos, once the source of some fun, are being manipulated and how artificial intelligence scientists are trying to respond. It's part of, a week, of our weekly segment on the leading edge of science. Hi, this see you being me. <laughs> Scary as deep fake videos may be, there are times when they can be fun. <laughs> a place where a 3D model of my face gets electronically plastered onto computer scientist Hao Lee's head, making him the puppet master and me the dummy. Really a scary looking individual <laughs> overall. What do you think? I do need to change my hair, don't I? Yeah. Lee is an associate professor at the University of Southern California. Okay, nobody cares about Lee. Let me tell you about deepfake. So you know all these, this technology with Face ID, this is why I stopped buying iPhones because now it just takes Face ID. Um, this is what they're using. And this it has been created in order to entrap people, political dissidents. You know, this was going to be weaponized against us. But now they realize that they need to start talking about this because actual videos are coming out. And we need to believe that they've been manufactured. You see? 
see how this goes. The weapon that they created and embedded in our technology and made it part of our everyday lives that they were intending to weaponize, they are leaking to you and telling you about this. Why? Not because they have a concern for you, but because they have a concern for themselves. Because now they no longer have control of it. Because one day you'll see a video of yourself committing a crime, committing murder. And how are you going to prove it that it's wrong unless you have like 20 million alibis because one won't be enough, right? Unless you can prove it and show that you were not there or you could be there. Say it's like a theft from Walmart. You walk in and you're doing your shopping and you walk out. And during that time, someone actually does a theft and you are someone that XYZ politician wants to shut you up or, you know, some vindictive neighbor with a lot of money, whatever it is. Just, I'm just putting hypothetical scenarios. Well, then suddenly that person that is stealing is going to be morphed into you and you were at the same place at the same time. So it is you. Even though you went shopping, maybe the receipt will help you. So maybe you need a digital, but if it's digital, they could change that too. Remember, I've told you the technology we have is that people can retroactively place stuff from like years ago when they didn't even have digital things and just manufacture it. They can frame you, erase you in a heartbeat. And that's what's scary. And like I said before, We deserve the right to have liberty, the ability to protect ourselves, and privacy. And privacy, even though people before us have forfeited those rights bit by bit, because you can't do it in one go, then you show your Gestapo side, right? There are ways to mitigate. And there are a bunch of people working on that. Trying to find ways to mitigate, to bring back privacy into our lives in some shape or form and to mitigate what is to come. If not successfully enough to be able to plant the seed for future generations, 50 years, 100 years from now, to look back and take faith and be reinvigorated with their innate rights of liberty, the right to protect themselves and privacy. So on that note, it's Friday. Boy, is next week going to be fun. This week went quite quick, and this show went quite quick too. Uh, I want you guys to have a safe weekend, a great weekend, and kind of just think about things. Be a little bit more objective. Don't believe everything you hear or everything you see. Don't even listen to me. Listen to what your intuition tells you. On that note, I want to wish everyone a wonderful weekend, healthy, happy, and amazing. Hopefully I can get to cut my grass. From everyone here at Red State Talk Radio, we wish you a great weekend. God bless you and God bless America. A long way from the suits in D.C. 
but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to their necks. 